Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. And this episode, we're discussing a monster. It's SST 65, the Bad Brains album, Eye Against Eye. I'm I'm worried that I'm going to get a little like too over the top on this episode because it's such a huge, huge record. And um, just really looking forward to talking about it. And I, we both, I know, well, I don't know, but I suspect we both have a ton of things to say about the release. So I just had a couple of very quick spiels, like mini spiels, because I want to get to the bad brains. All right. I got mini spiels too. So we're on the same page. Okay. First one I wanted to just mention is I got the new Jay Mascus Elastic Days. Yep. It's good. Haven't heard it yet. Yeah. If you like Jay Mascus, if you like Dinosaur Jr., you will like this record. It's good. He keeps on doing the Jay Mascus thing and it's good every time. I was thinking there's only really like one album by him that I, I'm not a huge fan of. I think it's like uh uh it's like a chanting album. Like it's got mm. some some rock on it, but it's got some chanting like a mantra or something like that. Oh. I think yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but it's not the greatest for me. Everything else I pretty much just devour. Like all the the fog stuff you like. Oh, I loved all the fog stuff. Yeah. Um all the live stuff like the acoustic records. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is good. People okay. should check that out. It's a, yet another good J Mascus record. It's the acoustic, second, right? Uh, well, it's a. I mean, it's mostly acoustic flavored, but Jay plays drums on it, and he's got a ton of guest musicians and stuff. So, oh. it's not distorted and rocking like a Dino album, but he di- he totally shreds on it too, okay. like ele- electrified. So it's um, no, I, I mean it's good. There's been a couple of um, acoustic albums that he did, like um, Several Shades of Y and Tied to a Star, which were a bit more acoustic than this one okay um oh and i recall the name of that album that's like it's called uh jay and friends sing and chant for ama hmm, never heard of it i don't know if you, yeah i don't know if you're it's not not that good okay. for me anyways everything else is good next spiel have you came across there's this website um called save music in chinatown <laughs> Are you going to talk about the Saccharin Trust Live thing that they only pressed 30 of? Yep. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> a little too late, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what feed I subscribed to or where it showed up. Probably on one of the one of the SST-type related feeds or whatever. But anyways, it's, a, it's an organization to benefit a music program at an elementary school in Chinatown in los angeles and they um they just released as you said like a limited edition 30 edition cd a live saccharin trust cd to benefit their their bass player chris stein who's fighting cancer mm-hmm. and um it's a live disc and uh, anyways i thought it was you know a kind of a neat site too there's a few other posts that they put up that are related to kind of that scene some sst alumni i guess yeah and it's, it's worth checking out and if there's another opportunity to donate people should um should go and do that too right and yeah. help chris out i was uh i was able to get one of the 30 though oh so great 
we'll have to check it out when it comes in. Great. Yeah, there is a GoFundMe page I saw as well if if people want to check that out. Yeah, they didn't really I think it was like 10 bucks or something yeah. for the disc yeah. and I uh I think I just threw them like 25 or something because I knew the shipping would be a bit much. Right on. I'm done. Okay. I have to correct myself. Uh but so <laughs> By now, someone may have corrected me online by the time uh, there's a kind of a dead spot between when our episodes air and when we record because we record like two weeks in advance. Anyways, let it be known that I'm correcting myself if somebody posts this online. I did catch this myself. It drives me nuts. (laughs) Usually after we record and I'm editing the podcast, I remember shit and I'm like, ah, somebody's going to correct me on that. It was a couple episodes ago, I think on the DC3 episode, I said that the Thor album, Master of, or sorry, Metal Avenger. <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe you're spending time on correcting Oh, it gets Thor. better. You'll, it gets better, Ryan. You'll appreciate oh, this. Oh, keep going. Keep going. I can't wait. Thor Metal Avenger in 2015, I said may, I probably said was Henry Rollins's last vocal on the track master of revenge i was wrong he sang on the ruts dc album music must be must destroy on the title track came out in 2016 yeah that's a couple years old right yeah so i i was listening to that the other day and i was like fuck (laughs) so (laughs) they're happy to put that that it's a good album too i really like it i well if if i know brandy before you said it, you probably went, I might be wrong on this, and don't quote me on this. <laughs> I hope I did. You will have hyper-qualified yourself before you said it. Yeah. Speaking of Henry Rollins, a few people, this goes back to the uh, Love Doll Superstar, Superstar episode when we were talking about punk movies, and I mentioned uh, the Cheech and Chong uh, Up in Smoke episode with with uh, the Dills in it, and... I, I must have mentioned the the track "Earache My Eye" that they do on that movie. That's the that's their their song that they they win the battle of the bands with. Oh yeah, right. Uh, a few people reached out to let us know that Soundgarden does a version of that song. I think on a live album. Hmm. I don't know it, but apparently they do. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I have that on a, on like a Rollins Band single actually. Well, that's what I was going to say next. A few people also oh. let us know that there is a sub pop single of Rollins doing it, and of course, I, I've never heard that. I don't own it, but uh, I immediately <laughs> after recording, I remembered that Rollins does that song, and I have it on uh, like this live in the studio album in Australia called Insert Band. Here, do you know that recording? I do. I've got that one. Yeah, yeah, it's on there too. So, yeah, after the uh, the punk movie episode, I thought of. A number of movies like we didn't I don't even think we mentioned a single movie that Henry Rollins is in good point I mean he's obviously in a whole ton of shows but he's in one in the last four or five years that I really liked call I think it's called uh he did not die or something like that yeah I've never seen it yeah, he's, it's like on the, Net- he's like the star of it hey yeah no it, and it's I mean it's pretty darn good it's on Netflix there's that one David Yao has done a ton of acting too. That's true. <laughs> There's his like uh, Sizzler reel or whatever you call it is up on YouTube and that's worth watching. For who? For Yao. Yao. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Like the the reel that he uses to like get acting gigs. Oh, okay. Like his his greatest hits. Okay. Yeah. What else he got for me, Brent? Uh, well, okay. Well, back to the movie thing. So, friend of the pod, Michael T. Fournier, uh, sent a few things in. Kim Pilkington, she's one of the actors in Loved All Superstar. He said was the Sherpa the first time Henry took acid. Apparently, he talks about it in the We Got Power book. And Michael and I were messaging back and forth a bit, and I said, I hope that's not the same. <laughs> I don't think he uses her name, but the same uh, lady who he talks about in his podcast, the Henry and Heidi Show podcast, he tells the story about the first time he took acid. And his his female companion, who who is acting as his guide, is like, pretty out of control hmm. so and apparently that it is the same kim kim pilkington so thought that was cool and he recommended a movie half cocked uh with ian i'm not even gonna try and say his last name it's the dude that was in nation of uh ulysses oh yeah yeah discord band yeah he's got a band uh, a movie called half cocked or he's like the star of it and I've never seen it, but uh, apparently that band Rodan is in it. Oh, I love Rodan. Yeah. And a few other people uh, made some recommendations on Instagram. Chippy's dad on Instagram made a, a recommendation for a movie called Breaking Glass. Oakland Richie on Instagram made a recommendation for Over the Edge. King Jinx on Instagram made a recommendation for Dogs in Space. I haven't seen any of these movies, and I don't know what any of them are about either. This guy Christian, who has a podcast called Talk About the pa uh, Talk About the Passion, it's a pretty good podcast. It's mostly like he interviews like people from the hardcore scene, but like uh, maybe more like the Victory Records scene. Oh, okay. Like stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not super fam familiar with, to be honest with you. Yeah, like the 90s straight edge stuff. More like that, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Revelation Records. Yeah. Big. Yeah. I, I could be wrong about that, but I don't know a lot of it is, is the point I'm trying to make. He does a really good job, and I, I've i listened to a few. Like He do, he has one where he interviews Scott Helland, from, who was in uh, Deep Wound with Jay and, and uh, Lou. Yep. That one's pretty good. Uh, he recommended uh, Times Square. He says it's a so-so movie, but it's got a kick-ass soundtrack. So, hmm. so there you go. Right on. There's Always some... appreciate appreciate the tips. Yeah. Oh, and one more. KRL Pure Tone on SoundCloud let us know that Kitty Carryall was the name of Cindy's doll on a Brady Bunch episode. She's like the main character in Love Doll Superstar. Yeah. So That's where go. they got the name, I guess. Hey, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I used to have a copy of that Times Square. I'm just looking at what it has on there. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's got the Ramones and the Ruts. Hmm. It's also got like Patti Smith, The Cure. Okay. Joe, Joe Jackson, Gary Newman, The Pretenders, Susie Quattro. It's probably a bit of punk, a bit new wave. Okay. Hey, Ryan, one more quick spiel. Speaking of podcasts, you should check out. You really have to check out The Blow Mind Show. So it's this guy, Pete Weiss, who is in the band Thelonious Monster. And uh, his sidekick is Morty. That's what he calls him. It's Keith, it's Keith Morris. <laughs> okay. They, they have a podcast called The Blow Mind Show. 
and they wait, talk- wait, wait. But is it blow mine or blow mind? Blow mind. Okay. And uh, they talk about conspiracy theories. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, and did you did you listen to it? Oh, I've listened to most of them. There's like 30 episodes, maybe more. There's quite a few. They've been they've been doing it for a while. <laughs> You've listened to 30 episodes. <laughs> it's really good. You know what though, Keith? Keith Morris is he's always very animated when he's speaking. And I mean, is he is he into conspiracy theories? They both are. They're so it's pretty clear that they've been friends for a really long time. And you, okay. it, when you listen to it, it's like, oh yeah, these guys would be like meeting up for lunch and having this conversation anyways. They just happen to, to record it. <laughs> and oh, those are, those are good podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. And I mean, they play music on it. Like that kind of correlates with the episode, like punk rock stuff. Like for example, there's a really good two parter on Walt Disney and what a piece of shit he was supposedly <laughs> like a pedophile yeah. or whatever, you know? And, uh, they play like yeah. Stukas over Disneyland, for example, by the Dickies, you know? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's really good. Everyone should check it out. There's, there's some really good episodes on there. That's, those are my spiels, Ryan. Let's, uh, let's get into eye against eye. Oh yeah. History lesson part one. Anyone who's listening to this show probably knows who the bad brains are. And I've been a fan forever. You have too. This is, there is a lot to cover. What I thought we would do, and, and I mean, I Against Eye is by no means the first recording by the Bad Brains. Um, it's their only studio album on SST. But what I thought we would do is because it's our first Bad Brains show, and there will be more eventually, yeah. but, but live albums, was talk about kind of some resources where we where you can go to learn more about the bad brains because they're fairly well documented. Yeah, um, they're they're up there with like Sonic Youth and Husker Du in terms of documented, I think, and may like maybe Black Flag too. Talk about that bit of a history, and then we'll we'll dive deep into Eye Against Eye for history lesson part two. That works for Sonic me. Yeah. All right, so first. To the library, there are um, there's a ton of books that either are about bad brains or mention them, and I'll just I'll just list off a few that I've got. There's one called Punk Hardcore Reggae PMA Bad Brains by Greg Prado. Yep, and we've mentioned Greg before. Was did he do a Sonic Youth book? Is that right? He did. No. I don't think so. He did Too High to Die by the Meat Puppets, didn't he? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Okay, yeah. so that's that's where I recall Greg Prado from. Anyways, there's that one. There's a relatively recent book called Finding Joseph I by Howie Abrams and James Lathos, which is really about, it's focused on HR, who's the lead singer for the Bad Brains, but um, it obviously follows the Bad Brains as well. There's also a DVD that accompanies that book, and uh, I recommend both of those. Yeah, the uh, the Stephen Blush book, American Hardcore, it's got like a chapter on Bad Brains. We'll talk about where Bad Brains came from, which of course is Washington D.C. And there's the the amazing Washington 
DC book, Dance of Days, that Mark Anderson and Mark Jenkins did. It's um, it, I bought it when it when it first came out on Soft Skull Press, and then they they re-released it a few years back. Um, but it's it's pretty much the definitive DC scene book, and of course, there's bad brains in there. There's a a photo book, a couple of photo books. One called Hard Art, DC 1979, by uh, Lucian or Lucian Perkins. There's a, a photo book by, well, it's photo and some narrative by Cynthia, Cynthia Connolly, Leslie Clegg, and Sharon Cheslaw, I think. Band in D.C., which is named after a Bad Brain song. And then um, another documentary that we would mention is Salad Days, A Decade of Punk in Washington, D.C., which came out a few years back. There is a, a photo book accompanying that called Spoke. Images and Stories from the 1980s Washington, D.C. punk scene, compiled by Scott Crawford. So there's seven books, just to start. We've mentioned a couple of DVDs, a few more DVDs, though. There is, uh, you can get a really good live Bad Brains DVD called uh, Live at CBGB on 1982. You can get that on on record as well. The American Hardcore uh, documentary. There's, I mentioned this before, there is that Foo Fighters documentary that that's like a series, and right. one of the ep- one of the episodes takes place in Washington D.C. and Dave Grohl's hanging out with the Bad Brains and talking about like the recording of the Black Dots record, for example. So um, yeah, that that documentary is actually really it's actually really good. You know, it is I, really good. I watched that footage online, and that's the one that HR recorded like outside. Hey, yeah, yeah. his vocals, yeah. You know, say what you will about Dave Grohl, he does he does give credit where credit is due, and that document. And I'm I'm not a Foo Fighters fan, but at least he kind of, I don't know. There's a few episodes in that series that are pretty darn good, like the DC and the Seattle one, the LA one. They're really good. So I mentioned Finding Joseph I and Salad Days already. Another DVD out there is called A Band in DC. That came out in 2012. It's really hard to find, and when you can find it, it's really expensive, but it's for free on YouTube right now. Uh-huh. And it's um, it's about their 2007 tour, and it was basically their first tour in 10 years with HR. And um, it's, I mean, it's, it's another documentary about the bad brains. It kind of gives the history, um, but it's also really sad because there's, obviously some mental health issues going on with HR throughout the movie as there is, and is very well documented in the finding Joseph I DVD and book. So those are the resources. What about our band could be your life? Are they in there? So HR is, Oh, the book. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure they're mentioned in there, but I don't think they have a chapter. Hmm. Hang on. Yeah, no, that that book does not have, like a bad brains chapter in it, but they're likely mentioned in there. Interesting that the meat puppets are the band that often gets mentioned as being excluded from that book, but not bad brains. Yeah. Well, I mean, Michael Azarad, obviously he has his favorites. It's obvious, you know, and he's not much of a hardcore guy. Yeah. He definitely is into the American underground and indie rock and all that kind of stuff, but hardcore, not really. Um, But good, Good check because I didn't even bother to look because I, I. I, I didn't think they were in there and they're not, and they're not. 
Now, as I mentioned, Eye Against Eye is, um, it's not Bad Brain's first album, but it's their first studio album on SST. We'll also see Bad Brain's again for um, number SST 160. That's the live Bad Brain's album and SST 228. Uh, that's a live EP, Spirit Electricity. And then HR, as a solo artist, has a ton of stuff on SST. And then there's also uh, Raz Michael, who's kind of related musically to HR, has a, a record on SST. We'll get to all that, you know, in like a couple of years from now. So there's lots out there on Bad Brains is the upshot of that. And so we're we're just going to scratch the surface on the history and we're going to gloss over a ton of stuff to get us ready for history lesson part two uh, we already mentioned that their lead singer is hr otherwise known as paul hudson and uh hr at least originally stood for hunting rod because hr carried a staff around apparently back in the day i thought uh, it was I, a reference to his schlong <laughs> i don't know maybe it was <laughs> Maybe in, the, in the, the one documentary where they're talking about him carrying around a staff, maybe that's what they're talking about. <laughs> Who knows? Um, HR's third leg. Oh, my God. Thank you. That's enough out of you. So HR's brother, Earl, is the drummer, Earl Hudson. And then on bass, Daryl Jennifer, who has uh, – he's put out some solo records and stuff. And then Gary Miller – other on guitar, otherwise known as Doctor No, and that's Doctor K N O W. Fucking right. As in, yeah, as yeah. in knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, they've had a number of different band members over the years, but uh, Doctor No and Daryl Jennifer have really remained the constants, and we'll kind of walk through that. They started out in the late seventies. Bad Brains, kind of, they were. They started out like playing together, influenced by funk, by jazz fusion, but they ended up seeing, I think it was either Dr. No or Earl Hudson who saw like the Sex Pistols or the Dead Boys on TV, and they said, that's what we're going to do. So the Bad Brains kind of turned into a punk band, and they wanted, they got the name Bad Brains from a Ramon song, and you, you know that too, Brent. Road to Ruin. Road to Ruin, and... Um, the Bad Brains were, though, they were first called Mind Power. Great name. And, Great name yeah. for a jazz fusion band. Yeah. <laughs> and then they turned into the Bad Brains. And on purpose, the Bad Brains, what, you know, they saw the Sex Pistols, the Damned, the Dead Boys, inspired them. But on purpose, the Bad Brains said, we're going to be faster and more technical than any of that, and especially Ramones. They, um, they now, kind uh, of... The, sorry to cut you off, Ryan, but you said the yeah. Damned. They, I, I think they were like a pretty big band in DC. I, I seem to recall like Ian and Henry really, uh, like they played DC, the damn did. Oh yeah. Probably like with Brian James in the band. Yeah, no, they're, they're huge. And in fact, I mean, it's, it's late. Well, I guess it's not that much later on in the, in their career, but I mean, the bad brains went to Europe to tour with the damned at one point and that's when they got turned around. Yeah, at the airport. But Henry always talks about that record by the damned music for pleasure. Yeah, is how that. It, so that's the second one with Brian James before the first split before before he yeah. left the band. Yeah, Henry always talks about music for pleasure as being 
like his favorite almost and how it's most people's least favorite but for him it became his favorite because it's the only one he had and so it's a time and place type thing and he always pumps it up and says it it never gets the credit it deserves and i i like music for pleasure but it's underrated for sure it's underrated but i mean you it's really hard to stack up for me any damned record against machine gun etiquette and so that's just such a hard act to follow or precede you know yes it's impossible but um yeah the damned were huge in dc and uh, and one of the influences on the Bad Brains to kind of turn from funk to jazz into punk, they also started out with um, a different kind of ethos in punk, PMA, Positive Ma- Mental Attitude. And it was taken from a book called Think and Grow Rich. So they started playing around town. And in August of 1979, they recorded the Black Dots demos. That came out years, years later. But uh, that's 1979. They were already uh, recording like really fast. And that's the footage that you, or at least the audio that you hear that you mentioned, Brant, in that Foo Fighters Sonic Highways documentary. Right. There's a bit of that footage in the, the Finding Joseph I documentary as well about how you can kind of hear the outdoors in the background. Right. And like little kids coming up and like hassling HR and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now exactly. that the dude that recorded that, that's the inner ear guy that record. I'm just recalling from, like I own the Black Dots album, but I I didn't really know <laughs> too much about it because I, I don't think there's like very good liner notes to it from my from my recollection. But uh, I'm recalling from the the Dave Grohl thing that you mentioned that it's uh, it's the guy that you know recorded like all the Discord stuff at inner yeah, ear. Yeah, Don Don Zayantara. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the big, you know, DC punk guy. Yeah, and he, I, I think he did the Black Dot stuff. I don't know that for a fact. He did. Yeah, I remember from the documentary. Okay, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> Classic brand. <laughs> um, anyways, the Bad Brains eventually got banned in DC. That's where the song came from, and they actually moved to New York. They, uh, but then they. They uh, they also sold their instruments to go on tour with the Damned. They went on tour to Europe. They had no visas. They got uh, sent straight back. They got their gear stolen a bunch of times. They eventually made it their way back to D.C. And in 1980, they saw Bob Marley. And they started to transition from the PMA to Rasta, Rastafarian. That started to come into their, their thinking, their ethos. Uh, 1982, they recorded the the Roar tapes, which is a, a classic Bad Brains record. It's probably one of the first ones that you, when you're a kid, at least when you're a kid my age, one of the first two Bad Brains records you get into, it's either the Roar tapes or the other one from 1982, Rock for Light, which was produced by Rick Ocasek from The Cars. Yeah, lot many of the same songs, hey? Yeah, there's yeah. definitely some duplication. Rock for Light gets a lot more reggae. Uh, Rock for Light was recorded in three days too, which is insane. And then uh, they, well, they Brain- were serious players, hey. Oh, like, well, we're gonna we're, we're gonna get into it when we talk about Eye Against Eye, but they were all insane players even before they were like the Bad Brains, right? Yeah, well, that's what makes them the Bad Brains is the fact that they. 
unlike a lot of bands, had serious chops. Oh, did they ever? And they're super quiet on stage too. Like they're they're very uh, pretty. Like except for HR, of course. But the band members, they're they're just shredding. But you know, they're very very calm and very still. You know, while they're playing, kind yeah. of. It's uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. After Rock for Light came out, that record, HR started playing in the Human Rights Band. Kind of quit. Yeah. Uh, quit Bad Brains. Wanted to do uh, no more punk rock. But eventually they came back together, and in 1986 they did the Eye Against Eye album, which we'll get to in History Lesson Part 2. After Eye Against Eye, there was a number of other types of uh, reggae bands. There was like the Zion Train Band. Uh, that was like really uh, 100% reggae type of band. The Human Rights Band had some non-reggae. There's the HR Band. They had a guy named Mackie Jason on drums from 89 to 91 as well, who plays on uh, another one of my favorite albums, Quickness. Is that Mackie uh, from the Cro-Mags? Mm, I don't know. I think it's the same Mackie that played on Age of Quarrel. Is that right? Yeah. Are you a Cro-Mags fan? Not really. Like, I, no. I'm not a New York hardcore fan, period, really. Okay. But, I mean, I know Age of Quarrel. It's probably the most famous New York hardcore album, I would say. Yeah, that is. It's Mackie Jason. He was on Age of Coral. Good call, man. Yeah. Um, they even had, for a moment, Chuck Mosley from Faith No More on vocals. They uh, they also had a guy named Taj on vocals for a while. This is late 80s, hey? Yeah. And then they they had basically had like the Quickness album recorded, and Taj was going to do the vocals, and then like HR rejoined the band, and they did Quickness. Um, he kind of wrote lyrics in like one day. Yeah. Uh, that's a great record. It's that's my bad brains album. That's what it's, yeah. it's my, one of my top 10 albums ever quickness. It yeah. gets no, no respect, man. And no, it's, it's just, it, it's in my opinion, the best bad brains album, but yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, and how about the beginning of that record too? Hey, when someone's just scatting. Yeah. You know that, do you know that part? Soulcraft, man. Awesome. Then HR quits again, and they uh, and they put out a record called Rise in 1993 with a different singer, Israel. Yeah. And I really like that record. So do Rise. I. So do I. Love it. Love it. You know Even what, man? It, I, I was gonna say, talk about this later, but like, I'm gonna get my controversial opinion out of the way right now, right off the bat. Do it. Do it. They should have kept him in the band. And like, you know, and kept going eh? and kept going. Yeah. Yeah. In the uh, in the movie Finding Joseph I, Israel is really deferential to HR. He's like, that well, of was. Of course he is. That's his hero, right? Yeah, totally was. Yeah. Uh, but Rise is a just a killer album. I love it. Couple, too. Yeah. A couple years later, they put out the God of Love album. HR is back in the band. This is on Maverick records and rick okasic producing again but madonna's label <laughs> it is it's madonna's yeah. label around this time though hr is really starting to exhibit mental health issues uh they have problems with the label they uh they turn into soul brains for a while because uh ross michael said you know you shouldn't have bad brains because that has kind of negative connotations associated with it and there was 
I, I don't think they could perform under the name Bad Brains for a moment there. Then there's a big break. 2002, uh, a record comes out called I and I Survived, which is basically a dub record, and HR is not on it. Yeah, it's good. Though. And then, oh, it's good. I've yeah. got it. Yeah. And I'm leaving out a ton of live records. I'm just going right. to the kind of through the studio records. Yeah. 2007, HR is back in the band, and uh, well, still in the band, I guess if you count, he was last in the band in 1995 for God of Love. And uh, they released Build a Nation, which was produced by Adam Yauch from the Beastie Boys. Yep. It's it's a good record. It doesn't really sound that good, though. I've always found it to be kind of a, a rough-sounding record, but it's still a good record. And then the most recent record, 2012's Into the Future, which is a great record and also sounds good. Yeah. So they've really had a, a really rocky history but released some insane records, like just amazing stuff, hugely influential, insane players. Like, we'll get into it more when we talk about Eye Against Eye, but it's just, it's incredible, the the type of stuff that they do. And, you know, I'm a bass player, and I've never, I've always been kind of more of a P-bass, bass player sound, but Daryl Jennifer on the jazz bass, it just fits the bad brain so well. Yeah. And uh, I really, really love his sound playing. He also gets some very, very cool sound, bass sounds on this Eye Against Eye album. Anyways, that is a lightning speed round through the Bad Brains history. The last few years, it's been uh, a bit odd. Like, they haven't really been that active. HR is still kind of appears to be doing some solo shows. But he also had, like, a uh, – I think he had – some pretty serious surgery in the last couple of years. Don't I'm going to steal a line from you. Don't quote me on that. It was um, it was kind of all over the internet a couple of years ago about HR needing to go for surgery and he was going to lose his dreadlocks and it was like and brain stuff surgery like or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Doctor so, No had some really serious health problems too. Yeah, yeah. And and so I mean, and they're they're getting up there in age, right? But I mean, I guess I guess all I would say is I hope that. I don't know how HR is doing, but I hope he's doing well. I hope that, that that surgery helped him out because it's clear when you, especially that documentary, a band from DC, like even more so than the Finding Joseph I documentary, which which is really about HR's mental journey. Yeah. In the uh, the band, the a band from a DC documentary, he's like he's walking around like wearing bulletproof vests and like. Uh, like motorcycle helmets and he's just he's just not fully there right and yeah. um, for such an amazing artist and influential guy it's it's I just hope he got the care that he needed right yeah so that's it I went really fast but um, no, there's, a, there's, a, there's a ton of other stuff of course that we could go into is there any uh, any history lesson bad brain stuff that you would want to mention Brent uh, no, that was great, Ryan. I'm ready to go into History Lesson Part 2. All right. I'm ready for some reignition. History Lesson Part 2. The story I have, Ryan, is that this guy, Chris Williamson, who was like a New York City promoter, uh, was launching this Rock Hotel Records and a venue called the Rock Hotel, <laughs> which is described as a real hole in the wall. And uh, it's a sub-label of Profile Records, which I know well because DOA was really associated with that. 
in in Joe Joe's uh, Keith Lee's book, he talks a lot about that that label being kind of shitty. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Age of Quarrel came out on that label actually, the Chromags album. DOA's awesome album, True North True North Strong and Free is on that, and so is that self titled Nils album that we've talked about a few times. Yep. I think that was a subsidiary of like MCA or something. Yeah, it could have been. So basically this this guy Chris Williamson made made him a good offer to play and it was enough to entice HR back to the band. They got together, rehearsed, and basically the rehearsal turned into the writing session for the Eye Against Eye album. Yeah, they were going to like play some shows again and they're like, "Damn, we've got a record written here." Yeah. Yeah, most of the record was composed in preparation for the shows. Which is yeah. kind of how quickness came together. I mean, I don't know how much, and and we should say that Earl kind of comes and goes uh, with his brother, HR. Yeah, yeah, he follows him into the Zion train and other bands that HR went with. Yeah, so uh, the, it's back to the, the the core lineup. So the other big part of this album is the producer Ron Saint Germain, and he's interviewed in that. Um, Finding Joseph I, and he's re- he's really awesome in it. He also did Quickness too. Yep. So their their uh, their long suffering manager Anthony County is that how you think it it's pronounced? Yeah, I can't remember. He's in both. Um, well, he's definitely in the. Yeah, I think he's in both of the documentaries, Abandoned DC and Finding Joseph I, and he's. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely has his place with the band, kind of just like being patient and trying to find HR all the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he goes to Alan Douglas, who was like recorded at this place called The Manor, which is where like uh, the classic Black Sabbath album with Ian Gillen on vocals was recorded, um, Born Again, and a zillion other albums. The Jam recorded there, Adam Ant, Echo and the Bunnymen, and... Alan is like, I can't remember if he's too busy or whatever, but he hips, he hips him to Ron St. Germain. And, uh, this is Anthony, the manager. I had to get somebody for a reasonable price who knew what the fuck they were doing. I wanted an engineer who was capable of being a producer. SST was the only label that even wanted to put the record out because the band had kind of a rough name. And I mean, like, a rough name for a few reasons. There's some pretty well-documented and unfortunate homophobia. Uh, like some pretty gross homophobia and also like just their general flakiness, like flaking out of shows that uh, eventually got way worse. Oh yeah. But they they already had a pretty bad name for like, you know, splitting up all the time. Little spiel on Ron St. Germain. As I mentioned, he also did quickness. So they were obviously happy with, with this recording. Uh, he mixed goo Sonic youth. Uh, he mixed and produced, uh, an, al- an album called Stain by Living Color, a band that often gets mentioned in the same uh, circles as Bad Brains or is definitely, you know, would cite Bad Brains as an influence just because of like the similar type of band, like a, almost a, f- more, a little more funky. Although this album is definitely has a funk influence on it, but like the, yeah, guitar- I, I... the shredding guitar is, is very similar, similar. Yeah, I mean, Vernon Reed for sure um would cite dr no as an influence totally but um it's they they definitely got mentioned in the same breath as did i mean w- when you read through the uh, the finding joseph i book or the uh, the greg prado book mentioning about how 
when bad brains came around there really was no precedent for them except for two very very like obscure bands uh one called pure hell and then one called death yeah and um and and i mean obviously it's because they were just all black musicians playing like rock and really heavy rock too which was very rare but you know what when i was a kid man is is around the same time frame when i was getting into faith no more and stuff like i loved that first living color record oh, for sure loved it me too. loved it yeah yeah me too uh ron saint germain also engineered some hendrix stuff in the 70s uh that later some of the stuff that later later came out is like pseudo bootlegs like the oh i don't know rainbow bridge maybe and stuff like that i don't really know i'm just guessing which which what, ones like are those are those labels or no or no they that's out? these are like stuff recordings that came out after he died eh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Those, but like those, officially released stuff yeah i know yeah. those posthumous releases yeah. there's there's like 12 hendrix records like that well this is stuff that came out before like the hendrix family gained control of his of all that stuff you know? oh yeah no i know i know yeah. what you mean yeah, yeah the stuff from the 70s and 80s yeah I think Ron St. Germain worked on some of that kind of stuff. Um, he got his start in New York City at the Record Plant, uh, Media Sound Studios he also worked out of, and later at the Power Plant, a very famous uh, studio. And he also seems to, just from looking him up on Discog, seems to have done a lot of remix work as well. Like in the 80s when a lot of B-sides, like 12-inch like club stuff, Oh yeah, you know where something like say Mick Jagger is a name that came up a few times in his discogs would have like a song, you know, like say on his Who's the Boss album or whatever, and then maybe Ron Saint Germain would would do a a dance remix of it. Hmm. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is too bad. Yeah, here's a quote from Ron Saint Germain. I think I got this out of the Finding Joseph I book. He was in the middle of mixing Duran Duran or something gets a bad brain cassette of a live show and was completely blown away, goes to see them at the Ritz, and this is the quote, was completely flabbergasted. I definitely wanted to do it. After I saw the band, I call up, called up Greg Ginn at SST and said, I love the band. What have you got to make the record? He said, we will give you five grand. And I said, well, which song do you want to do? He said, <laughs> he said, no, that's for the whole album. I said, really? He said, that's what we do, man. I said, okay, no problem. I'll do it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So he takes them up to a studio in Massachusetts. He knew uh, called Longview Farm Studios. He says, you lived there. They fed you, washed your clothes. He kind of knew the sessions were going to be intense. So that it kind of, that was a big selling feature for him. And you could get three days for forty five hundred bucks. That reminds me of uh, like uh, I actually just finished watching that Martin BC documentary. Oh yeah, did you like it? Just for, oh, it was awesome, really good. He seems like such a good dude. Yeah. Uh, but but that's that's actually kind of my point about how many times we're hearing about these uh, these engineers studios producers or whatever that put together a legendary record for like nothing yeah you know and um it kind of reminds me of what you see like more and more these days where there's all these like true indie bands that 
like they record it on their laptop in their house and then they just like put it out for nothing. Right. Yeah. I just, I really like that spirit about it. And I'm glad that there's guys like Martin around who are still, still kind of doing that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Ron was planning on recording them live to two track cause they were so, this is his quote, so unbelievable live. This band has what it takes to do that. And since we didn't have any budget, we kind of had to. So they got everything mic'd. The drum sounded shitty, apparently. So they sent someone to Boston, which was 60 miles there and back, to rent a different drum kit. So they rehearsed while they were waiting. They played in the barn, which had a stage. This is like, this is on this farm. And uh, he got levels up for the two-track recording. His quote is, the vocals were unbelievably demanding. He was having to do multiple takes. HR's voice uh, was going down really quickly. They would get a track down and then HR would lay down a reference vocal. They went through that way until they got all the songs. And then on Sunday, when they were starting to run out of time, around noon, he put HR in the house studio with Phil Burnett uh, because things weren't working out. And Phil engineered that self-titled Nils album that I was talking about. And he also, Ryan, uh, did the Doughboys album, Turn Me On. Ooh. Yeah. Not the not the greatest Doughboys album, but still the Doughboys. Yeah. And he also mixed that uh, 2015 Nils album, Shadows and Ghosts. That's a good record. Yeah, it is good. Uh, yeah, so Phil was working with Ron at this time. And Ron told him, just give me two full takes all the way down, all the way through through of everything we've got (laughs) okay here's ron they finished up about the time we finished up and hr tells me man we got to get these vocals because i've got to go to jail tomorrow (laughs) yeah (laughs) and ron's like what you're telling me now uh so they got everything done except for sacred love which is a, a pretty famous story hr and earl had been pulled over and the cops found weed under the seat they were getting ready to go on tour and uh, they were in the DC jail together. So they recorded sacred love from jail. Uh, apparently their dad was like a high ranking corrections officer. Yeah. Just the vocals from jail. Just though, the right? vocals. Yeah. Yeah. It was just HR. Yeah. And this yeah. is, this is uh, Anthony County in, in the documentary HR worked mess hall and saw there was a nice secluded phone in there. Ron booked a studio below studio 54 called Soundworks. Kind, this was, he says, kind of a steely Dan haunt. Uh, Phil was connected to them too, uh, Phil Burnett. Ron says one of the guys in the jail, maybe the warden, thought it was a cool idea, so he let him do it from an office. And HR called Collect. <laughs> he says, I think this is in the docu- documentary, they asked me if I would, to the best of my ability, give them some vocals, and that's what I did over the phone. <laughs> yeah, apparently he unscrewed the the receiver the voice part and so he was singing right into that microphone out of, i can assume like just a payphone right and just unscrewed it out and apparently he had um, he had his bible with him too right which is the yep. uh you know if you're a rasta you follow the bible a certain reading of the bible i should say yeah and but he he used to um like roll all of his weed on a particular page and so there was all sorts of resin on it so before he recorded this song singing into the unscrewed receiver from jail he rolled up a uh like a page from his binder that had the resin on it and you know 
got to smoke <laughs> a bit of herb before he recorded the last uh, last vocal for the record. <laughs> yep. Great story. And uh, here's a, a quote from Ron St. Germain that I just love that kind of sums up this album. In all my travels all around the world, even though that record never even went gold, anywhere I go on the planet, people come up to me and say, oh my God, I against I changed my life. Yeah, it's a powerful record. One of the things I had, Ryan, that this maybe should have gone into history lesson part one, I don't know, but I wrote a little thing about the Washington, Washington D.C. go-go scene of the mid-60s and late-70s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, apparently they were, like, I don't know a lot about this scene. Some of the bands were like the Young Senators, Black Heat, Chuck Brown, and the Soul Searchers, who get described as like the god, he's like the godfather of go-go, Chuck Brown. Definitely, yep, definitely. It's, yeah, there's a t- there's a ton on the go-go scene in that Foo Fighters documentary. Oh, is there really? Yeah, they they uh, like Dave Grohl interviews guys from Trouble Funk and stuff like that. Yeah, Trouble Funk's the band I know just because Henry always talks about them, and like I'm pretty sure he released some of their stuff on that Infinite Zero label that he had with Rick Rubin. And they the Trouble Funk was around in the '80s, like they played with Minor Threat and the Big Boys, who were pretty funky themselves too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not minor threat. No, no, the big boys. <laughs> you mean the big boys? <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's a quote that I pulled from Joe Carducci way back on when he was on that WFMU broadcast that I've talked about a few times. Apparently, Bad Bradens had come into SST in 82 asking about recording with Spot, but he was in Austin recording with the Dicks at the time. Thought that was interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Imagine if that would have happened. Probably would have been like the Rock for Light album but with Spot on SST. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe, hey? I don't know. SST was pretty broke around then, so... Interesting. Yeah. I wrote down a little thing about... Uh, I, I'm really... F- like, I'm a huge reggae fan. Roots reggae only. So I, And I'm really interested in, like, Rasta beliefs and culture. Just from a... Cur- uh, like, I'm not... I don't identify with it, but, like, ju- I'm just... It's really intriguing to me. Just because of you know all the lyrics in the in the in the reggae that I listen to, I want to understand what what their beliefs are, and uh, so I I wanted to get this right, so I I did a little research on, on what I and I kind of refers to. So to Rastas, it kind of refers to the oneness of Jaw and every human, and uh, this is E. E. Cashmore, who's like this Rastafari scholar. He says I and I is an expression to totalize the concept of oneness. I and I as being the oneness of two persons. I and I means that God is within all men. And the term is often used in place of you and I or we among Rastafari. Here's a good uh, quote I found from Dr. No. We're from DC, so the funk stuff was in us. It was just another, another way to interpret who we are. Probably referencing like the the go-go scene. And here's one I one I found from Daryl Jennifer that I liked. Back in that time, a cat like me from D.C. was supposed to play funk. A cat from Jamaica is only supposed to play reggae, and a white cat's supposed to play Zeppelin. But for Bad Brains to jump out and be this punk rock band and push it the way we did, I can see that we were used as a tool to spread the spirit of versatility. The Beastie Boys started rapping, the Chili Peppers were funky, all of that. Well, damn, if these black dudes from D.C. can be a punk band, maybe me, a white dude, I could be an ill rapper. Huh. 
kind of talking about their their influences as far as like breaking uh you know boundaries kind of like you were saying you know oh yeah well they definitely did yeah definitely you want to talk about the tracks yeah i do before we do that though we'll we'll talk about it like when we're talking about the tracks but let's just take a minute and recognize how much they shred on this record oh yeah like it's it's crazy they are on point and um it's a different sounding record for them because their their earlier records were either hardcore or hardcore and reggae but here you've got a mid-tempo funky uh like punk record and i've always i've always liked this record because there's a lot of really like especially the drums and bass, a lot of subtle stuff. And then Dr. No is just going insane shredding and he's got yeah. some just amazing licks. And HR's vocals are Oh, they're they're this might be the best record that he sings on. It might be. Yeah, I'm always like have a weak spot for quickness just because of uh for sentimentality. But uh and I mean for me when I first started getting, like, I I was into metal when I was young. Priest, Maiden, Metallica, all that stuff. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> and then, so, the first kind of punk bands I got into were the crossover stuff. Like, Suicidal Tendencies, like, they're not their first album, but more like How Will I Laugh Tomorrow, and like, this, and Quickness, and like, DRI, and Corrosion of Conformities, crossover stuff. All that stuff was like my jam real early on. So I'm really big on like the punk metal vibe, which is what I've always liked about this album. Yeah, this is about like the guitar playing on yeah. it. This is about as metal as I get, but I love it. Yeah, I just needed to like recognize because, you know, we've said this a million times doing this podcast, but we, how you, it's like you're listening to one of your favorite records for the first time again when you're doing this show and really listening to it deeply. And yeah. I just got blown away. Me too. Like, like for the first time again, listening to this record. Well, I, Anyways. Pro I probably haven't listened to this for a couple of years because it's one of those albums I've just heard a gazillion times, you know? Yeah, I, I think I maybe still turn to it like once, maybe even twice a year, just as like, I'm tired of searching through my iPod and I'll just put on Eye Against Eye because... It's like, uh, I don't know, it's well, like it, a, a comfort zone, you know? Yeah, it definitely, uh, I'll, be I'll, I'll be listening to it again within another year. I, I, it may, definitely made me remember how great it is. Yeah, it may, you know what? I listen to all the Bad Brain stuff like in order, the, the, the studio stuff. And I listened to I Gainst Die a ton this week. But you know what else I'm just going to rock this week is Rise. I'm going to rock Rise again. Yeah. yeah. So good anyways the tracks should we do this yep i'll let you I'll, i want you to walk us through that but because you're better but uh at that than i am what do you do you have this on vinyl or cd <laughs> so i went to pull it off the shelf and off my I, i've got almost every bad brains on vinyl and i couldn't find it this is like this is when you know you have too many records i i don't know if i misplaced it which is unlikely, or I just deluded myself into thinking I have it on vinyl. I have it on CD. <laughs> so yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I have it on vinyl. 
Well, the reason I ask is because I've got it on vinyl. It's like a a pretty. I think I've got it on CD too, but yeah, so I'm I'm pretty sure that's how I got it on my iPod. But um, it's, it's not too tough to come by. It's no, a, a, no. apparently their best selling album, which surprised me. I don't know if that's true, but I read that. So there's a, there's a, yeah. f- a few copies of it floating around. Oh, for sure. The reason I ask though is because I don't know if you recall from when you had the vinyl, but the so- the way that the sides are labeled. Is it like side A and side one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah Yeah. they're at least numbered and so instead of side one we should start with side a and that is with the song intro aka voyage to infinity yeah man yeah that's this is like a mid-tempo groove awesome way to start off the record yeah for people who don't know what i'm talking about they use that the riff and turn it into a full song on quickness called voyage to infinity which is an awesome song but this is just a short version of it. I love, I've always been a big fan of the, like the falling down the stairs drums. Dave Lombardo and Slayer does it, Slayer does it a lot. The and uh, Earl does it in this song and I, I just love it. I just love it. And th- this is just a short little thing and it kind of, it sounds like there's a TV, like a television playing like some static yeah. afterwards. And then it goes into the title track which is just a total Dr. No shred fest. I I read the lyrics along with the track and man, HR is such a wordsmith, man. Like, yeah, he almost like wraps these lyrics at like lightning speed. And, uh, it's pretty good. His vocal histronics on, on this song are like really impressive. Yeah. And it's, um, it's also kind of a sing-along song with, with some really great time changes, too. Yeah, the song really shifts, but it all works together. Daryl and Earl are like one of the tightest rhythm sections in rock music, and they prove it on this song. It's a phenomenal opening track. It's got some pinched harmonics in it, Ryan. Yeah, I, it was not, you know, not too many. It was the right yeah. amount. Is You know, like I said, this is as metal as I get, pretty much, when it comes to guitar. Yeah. And I... I found a way new appreciation for Dr. No listening to it again this this last week because honestly, all the years listening to this like way back on my my Walkman or whatever, the uh, the guitar shredding never really sunk in like it did this week. Yeah, I love the breakdown, classic Bad Brains with the the kind of <gasps> that part. Oh yeah, that's a Bad oh, yeah. Brain signature move. No, but that's what I, that's what I mean. Like the sing-along aspect of this, like how off you got to tell me when you listen to this song there, listen, you can, you can't really make out, you know, half of the lyrics, but anytime there's a moment in this song, when you can sing along, you sing along, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's one of them. That's the mosh part in the song. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the third track house of suffering. I mean, I'll just say this up front before we go any further. Like I could put any one of these songs into the ballot result. There's not a dud on the album. I know which my, I know which one mine is for sure though. Okay. A house of suffering is great. You know, I was reading the lyrics for the really the first time that I've kind of read the lyrics along with listening to it. And if you watch those documentaries and stuff, a lot of the HR really wants to spread Rastafarian, the message. And the irony is he could have done that 
Like, if he wanted to spread that message, Bad Brains is the vehicle to do it. Because way more people listen to Bad Brains than, like, Zion Train or, or whatever, the Human Rights Band. But there's not a ton of, like, you know, Rastafarianism on this album, really. Yeah, notwithstanding being called Eye Against Eye, but, yeah. like, you know, Peace and Love and yeah. that type. There's that no type reggae of... tracks on it, you know? No, not on this one. No, and there's only a few moments of them playing like fast hardcore, like, yeah. and they, and it's less. There's less than a minute on this record. Yeah. Anyways, House of Suffering is a killer track. They did release this song as a one-sided single, I think, before the album came out, because it has a stamp on it that says um, from the forthcoming album. Oh it's yeah, like... it's one one of those SST promo things. Yep. Track four, Reignition. This is uh, the... whoa, 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 whoa! You're not... That's not how you say the name of the song, Brent. Okay, you say it. No way, you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you cut you know, me off. You say it. You know it's got to go re egg ni shown. That's better. Keep going. Uh, it's just the classic bad brain sound. Lots of twists and turns in the middle section. Total gnarly Dr. No solo. Love the track. Soaring vocals, too. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's when you hear, like, all those rock writers talk about soaring vocals. This is the epitome. Yeah. Secret 77, you can hear the reggae influence to me on that, just the way the drums and the bass interact. Yeah, it's very atmospheric sounding with the drums and the way that they're recorded. Well, there's a guitar. There's an effect on the guitar that kind of gives this song a bit of a dreamy quality. Well, it it reminded me um, again, like when I'm listening to this record, kind of for the first time again this week. The some of the tones, some of the 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 effects that Doctor No put on the guitar, it kind of reminded me of like the Police. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, you know, he had probably big rack mounted effects like he's a gear guy for sure yeah and he's not someone who's gonna play like you know a thrashed maz right or no. or something like that like he's he needs to have like a total shred machine with a whammy bar and like you know real, real i was nice thinking app. about that though like you'd think like you picture the cover of the i've never really thought about dr no's gear before but I was picturing the cover of the the Youth Are Getting Restless album, which is his hit headstock, right? And it looks like a Jackson or like a Charvel or yeah. something like that. I think it's a Fender, yeah. though. Really? Yeah, I think it's like a really funky ass custom Fender deal. But yeah, it's it's definitely the uh, the metal like type of guitars for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna try and find that picture. Yeah, ah, gosh, you think that's a Fender? I think it is. Yep. I wonder, I could be. Look at the body of that guitar. If you see it in other pictures, it's got a total Strat look to it. Yeah, but it probably has a locking nut on it and like a a floating bridge and all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah, maybe. It looks like, yeah, it's not like a Fender whammy bar. It looks like a Floyd Rose type deal on it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay, side two, or sorry, side one, the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me help. For me, like this is, if there is a weak song on it, it's this one, but it's still a great track. 
I love like the shouted backing vocals, like stop bet. Again, another bad brains hallmark for me. Oh, Dr. No was shredding too. Yeah. Same on, same on the next one. I'm just looking at some pictures of Dr. No and his guitar. Yep. He's had a ton of different guitars and he has a number of them that actually look like strats. Yeah. He played a, like an SG for a while too. Gibson. I yeah, remember seeing, I remember seeing earlier footage of him playing an SG. Yeah. But it looks like Daryl is always playing that, that green Fender jazz bass, but is it a jazz bass though? It looks like it might even be a Yamaha or something. Maybe. The headstock does not look like a Fender headstock. Oh, well. Here's an interesting thing about the tracks, Ryan. I was looking at, I don't know where I saw this, somewhere online, but like at one point, SST was putting a sticker probably on like the cellophane for these and it said hottest tracks on it, like maybe for like radio <laughs> and stuff. And their, yeah. their hottest tracks were Return to Heaven, Sacred Love, and Hired Gun. I thought that That's was interesting. interesting. Well, the next song, She's Calling You, is like just another another massive shredder. Yeah, that one for me is the closest to a reggae song on it, on the mm -hmm. album. Yeah, I agree. Imagine like working at SST and hearing this album. Like I think we've mentioned it before in Get in the Van, Henry talks about hearing this album before it came out. Yeah, they didn't quite know what to think of it. Like it was just a pretty overwhelming, right? Because yeah. they it's it's a different. Not only is it amazing, but it's like a different Bad Brains. Because they've really progressed in those four or five years between Rock for Light and Eye Against Eye, because you know they were hard. They all went on different paths and then came back. And um, they're not they're not trying to play as fast as possible anymore. But yeah. they're still playing their instruments very fast. Yeah, Doctor Knows playing on She's Calling You is really great. Speaking of things like you've just never picked out because you're just not listening to it, or for me, anyways. I mean. Again, I've heard this album a thousand times and I never noticed the, there's a part where in the lyrics he goes vibrating cosmic waves and there's like an oh, effect yeah. on it and like yeah, yeah, yeah. spirit electricity, which is the name of, I think it's the 10 inch that you mentioned at the beginning of the yep. episode. And there's like a, a guitar jack being plugged in. You can hear. Yeah. It sounds like this, the, the sound that happens during this, she's calling you. It sounds like the ground has been pulled off of a turntable almost. Yeah. Like the, that hum, like a ungrounded phono hum is what it sounds like for a second there. That, that really caught my attention because I never noticed that before, to be honest with you, but I was listening to it with headphones on too. Oh yeah. The, uh, the yellow Sony Walkman earbud system <laughs> was not, was not high fidelity back when I was listening that to that stuff. That's true. Track three, sacred love. Uh, easily the most iconic track mostly because of the story but it's also an amazing song uh, yeah one of my high school jam jams i was a real softy and uh, romantic so uh, always loved the lyrics to this song it, to me it's a real credit to the saints production as they call them on the album ron saint germain this the way he captured the vibe like i i wouldn't want to hear this song recorded with the vocals recorded in the studio you know yeah you know, when you listen really closely, if it seemed to me like you can tell that I don't know how many takes they did over the, over the payphone in the jail, yeah. but um, you can tell that there was at least to my ears that there's some tape splicing and they kind of replayed the same um, 
version of certain lyric strings. It sounds like it's like it's really, really identical, but the way that it's put together, it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. The other thing that caught my attention this time is the vocal melody. It almost has like a um, I don't know. I almost want to say like a Middle Eastern type of vibe to it. You know? Yeah, I can see what you mean by that. It's really got a really nice melodic solo from Dr. No in this song that I've always really liked too. Uh, the fourth track, Hired Gun, as I mentioned on the sticker, they clearly thought this was going to be a, a song for him because they did a video for it, also for the title track too. But th they put some money into this Hired Gun. It's like a... It's There's like a... Have you seen the video? No, I didn't even know that they had these videos. I'm going to have to go check them out. Yeah, oh, they did a SST, SSTV a VHS tape where you could get the eye against eye video and a SWA video for like, <laughs> you know, that like wow. SWA tw 12 inch, uh, A R R Y O or whatever it's called. Arroyo. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You could get those on a VHS tape, those two videos. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. But, uh, yeah, hired gun. You can see it on YouTube. <laughs> it's like, a, you know, the, the, the lyrics are really weird lyrics for a bad brains track. Cause it's about like, a hitman, right? Yeah. And that the yeah. video is like, you know, this hitman getting hired in this club and it's kind of got like bad brains footage in it. And there's some really great footage of them playing live, but then there's also footage of them that's clearly staged where they look like they're playing to just the band GBH. It's like get <laughs> let, let's get some punk rock dudes with like crazy hair in this video, you know? Yeah. Stacking, stacking the crowd yep. to make it look like a quote-unquote punk show. Yeah, um, I really like Daryl Jennifer's bass playing on this. He he uh, is laying down some lines that kind of sound like a fretless bass going on, and I really like that. Interesting to me that they thought this was going to be like the single, because to me this is one of the. It's a great song, but one of the weaker ones for me. Yeah, you know, there the, this song. Um, I'm trying to think of. Maybe it's House of Suffering. I can't remember. I don't know. You know, I used to have a couple of tracks on this record that were not my favorite. But again, this week I was like, I don't know. Yeah, It's just solid. Start oh, it, to it's a great song. As, don't get me wrong. As, but Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah. I mean, it's not my favorite song. But I, I'm pretty sure back in the day, Hired Gun probably would have been my least favorite song. And yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it now, for sure. Yeah, me, I, same for me. Maybe that's why it's... It's just, it's not one of my super classic songs, but agreed. Like when I listened to it this week, I'm like, man, that's a, that's a better song than, than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, the last track, perfect for the last track on the album, Return to Heaven. Love this song, love the vocal effect on the chorus. It's a real HR showcase for sure. I love like the syncopated, like wrapped verses and the, his vocals on it are just outstanding. Yeah, yep. it's a showcase for him. And uh, like for me, the band is great, but this is a showcase, the record for HR and Dr. No, yep. for sure. Totally. Like they they really, really shine on this record, even with the pinched harmonics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's a quote from Ian Mackay that I found. A real shift, a hugely inf influential record in terms of music. Significant. It, he calls it a significant departure, more rhythm-oriented it felt like a liberating record. That makes total sense. 
Ryan, do you want to talk about the artwork? Sure. It's a pretty iconic album cover, actually. I mean, the first few Bad Brains records, all the album covers are iconic. I don't know, like, for a fact who is on the cover, but I feel like it's probably Dr. No and probably Daryl Jennifer. I don't know. What do you think? Well, for sure, it's Dr. No in the shades. I knew that for sure. I actually thought it was HR was the other yeah, other maybe. guy, but I read in Greg Prado books that it's Greg Prado's book that it's Daryl Jennifer. And it is. Okay. And he says it, I don't know if this is like something they told him or if this is just his perception of it, but that the, that they're eye against eye on the cover. Ah, there you go. Yeah. And he also points out that this is the first use of that really awesome bad brains logo. Yeah. Yep. This is, this is the iconic, uh, calligraphy for bad brains. I used to draw that on everything when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. Flip it over. And, um, there's some inset kind of portrait photos of the band and the backdrop is some dreadlocks, some locks. Oh, I never really noticed that that's what that was. Yep. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, it totally is. Yep. People, people can correct me on that. And then uh, some thank yous, bunch of people yep. that uh, I, I didn't know any of them except maybe like, I don't know, Bob Epstein sounds familiar. Well, Chuck and Greg get a thank you. Yeah. The Saint, that's Ron St. Germain. Ron St. Germain. Phil is the guy I mentioned. They call him Patch. They, uh, the th I guess I kind of, I glossed over the actual detailed thank you list and I went to the last one, which I thought was pretty cool. It says it's... Uh, Dedicated to all artists and supporters of the underprivileged. Yep. That's pretty cool. Uh, cover concept and photos, Marcia Resnick and uh, the calligraphy, like the iconic um, logo, Paul Bacon Studio. Yep. So we just talked about the special thanks area. There's also thanks and praises. There's also that area. Yep. They go through uh, the Longview staff. That's the, the studio. And uh, a bunch more people. Did you pick out anyone out of this list? I'm just reading it now. It yeah. says, uh, special thanks to the 12 tribes of Israel and yeah. all the fan supporters de deserving yet not mentioned here. So sh shout out to the Rastafarian yep. religion. On the inside, it's got a really wicked photo. Pretty, like, iconic Of the photo. CD. Yeah. Oh, I don't have that. It's you've seen the photo for sure. It's HR with his arms like you know, out to the side like he's flying. Oh he's yeah. Doing a header, he's got his socks over top of his pants, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing a header into a crowd of mostly skin white skinhead dudes. Doctor knows tearing shit up. He's got his Marshall stack there. Earl's wearing his Rasta hat. You've seen the picture before, for sure. Yeah, I'm going to look it up, though, just yeah. to remind myself. I'm sure I've seen it in, like, a magazine or something. Yeah, do you want to get to the ballot result? Yeah, man. There's no dead wax, hey, right? There is no dead wax. Not on my version. Maybe there was on, like, an original pressing, but not on mine. Okay, lay a ballot result on me. Ballot result. For me, it's got to be reignition. Oh, yeah? For sure. If there's a song on this record that I sing for days after listening to this record, it's still this one. 
Yeah, I could go with any song. I really like uh, Return to Heaven. But Really? Yeah. The closing track. Yeah. Hmm. But Reignition works for me. All right. Success. Pretty hard to disagree on any track off of I Against I. Yeah. Yet again, like going through this record, I'm just pumped for so many other great ones that we're going to get to. And hey, by the way, do you know what finishing off uh, episode 65 means, right? What's that? Only 14 more episodes until Raging Full On. Holy smokes. Oh, yeah. Wow. But uh, next week, Brant, we're going to do SST 66, the compilation album Program Annihilator. Yeah. We've got a special guest, Ryan, too. Who's that? It's Chuck the Duke Dukowski. Oh, man. That's awesome. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.